Before we get started, I want to let you know about some changes we're making for our Patreon subscribers. Now at all levels, we are adding a little extra at the end of our weekly shows just after our tagline for all levels of membership. So for $1, you get the show plus an extra 10 to 20 minutes of show after the free show is over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We know we're borrowing from Bob Seska's idea. At the $5 level, you get the extra part of the show plus one video sketch per month. And at the $10 level, you get all of that plus an additional video sketch per month. Thank you to all who are currently subscribing and to our future Patreon subscribers. Now onto the show. Welcome to this week's edition of From the Bunker with Jody Hamilton. Hi, welcome to From the Bunker. This is Jody Hamilton. Um, sort of by myself. Sean could not make it this week, kids. So um, we have, a, well, I'm going to ask David Pepper, who is our guest today, to kind of be my co-host. Um, he is the author of Libraries of Autocracy, which is, just came out like, a month or so ago, David? Yeah. Um, which is a fantastic, your first nonfiction, correct? Correct, yeah. Awesome. Um, about what's going on in this country regarding voting rights and gerrymandering and and how it starts it from dog catcher on up basically um and uh, so david's going to kind of try to sit in i know he's he's never co-hosted with me before but uh, we're going to try to do this today so welcome Great. to our little show it's so nice to have you thank you cliff Schechter, for uh getting us involved he has the uh unprecedented show on the sexy liberal podcast network and on msw media as well so it's very exciting that he brought us together so um i've been reading um your st- i haven't read your book, so I'm sorry. Um, but I have been reading, you know, what you've been talking about in all of your tweets, which I love your Twitter feed, by the way. It's fantastic. Um, everybody should go get him at David Pepper. Um, it's Tom Hartman talks a lot like this, too, that we have to start at the local level in order to get things done, which is what the right wing has been doing since probably 1980-81. So can you mm-hmm. expand on what's going on in this country regarding voting and, and what is happening to what is left of our democracy and how you see sure. it? So uh, over time, people have said, we've got to do a better job building our bench as if all this is about is recruiting candidates to someday be in Congress. Uh, the point of my book is to say, it's a lot more important than that. The fa- from the founding on, mm-hmm. crucial, if not the most crucial levers of our democracy are at the state house level. Right. And so it's not only important for long-term candidate success, you know, we, we are always thinking federally and presidential. Mm-hmm. The state houses control our democracy. Right. Yeah, they control a lot of other things, too, by the way. And I go through in the book, you know, whether it's health care or climate change, they control a lot of the substance. It's the, sort of the at the heart of our political debates right now. And, and that's already a, an issue. But in the end, they also control democracy itself. They draw the district lines. Right. They, their own as well as Congress. They set the rules of our elections. Um, they, as, as Donald Trump tried to take advantage of, they control the electoral college process. And right now, they, they with the help of uh, right-wing outfits and big interests, have locked down uh-huh. so many states. It, it doesn't just risk the long-term success uh, in states like Ohio and even having democracy at all, which is our, currently a question, right. It, right? it risks the entire nation's democracy. It's something that even James Madison said at the time, 
would be a risk mm -hmm. because they were giving states a lot of power. But as I say in the book and often, if we saw what these state houses were doing, the specific things they were doing, rigging districts so they couldn't lose them, attacking the voters of the opposition, attacking the protesters of the opposition through new laws. If we saw that in another country, we'd actually recognize it better. Right. Because we assume that other countries can become undemocratic. But somehow, and this is why I wrote the book sort of in a frenzy, somehow in our own country, we don't see it. So it's getting right. worse and worse and worse. And, and we're, we're acting almost casually about it. Um, and, and it's got to end quickly, our, our casual approach to it, or it will lock itself in in a way that, that my own kids are going to spend their lifetimes trying to grasp back what we've all had for years and take it for granted, which is a functioning democracy. Well, I just read um, today that, that Iowa is banning journalists from its uh, chamber. Yeah, yeah, from the yeah, Iowa I saw that. That's I mean, insanity to me. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 and again, journalism is a big part of it. They're attacking independent courts. I mean, we're, we do a lot of things wrong right now. Yeah. But one of them is we narrow cast the attacks. Right. Oh, it's about vote. Of course, it's about voting rights. And that should scare us. It's about democracy. Mm -hmm. And they are they are hacking away at key pillars of democracy, be it independent media, independent courts, rig legislatures one after the next, after the next. And, and one of the worst parts of it, and I, uh, so the book is Laboratories of Autocracy. Autocracy is a key word, but so is laboratories. Yeah. Because what they're, they're not accountable because of these rigged districts. They can do these things and never lose. So they're always, they, they just keep pushing. And every time something doesn't succeed, they learn from the failure mm -hmm. and they try it again and they try it again. And so when you see that in Iowa, Mm -hmm. Some other state's going to see, oh, wow, they got away with it. Let's say there's a lawsuit and they succeed. Next up, another state will do it. So it's getting worse because they're always learning from one another from either failures or success. And so you just see this sort of you know, avalanche of new approaches that began in 11 after Obama won. Mm -hmm. by, by the way, this is always triggered by a fear of, of a diverse electorate. Right. So you see a spasm of activity after 11. But it's only accelerated as they go from simple voter suppression to history, censorship, journalism, courts, attacking the elections process. And since they're never stopped, I mean, uh, beating them back in a lawsuit still doesn't add accountability. Right. The people who pass the law are still happy as can be legislating away for the next term because there's never accountability. They just keep going and going and going. And until we get to the heart of that, they're going to keep going. Well, I mean, I know that there are 11 voters, I believe, in North Carolina that are suing to disallow Madison Cawthorn from running again based on the 14th Amendment. Right. Um, I think that's a fantastic idea. I love it. <laughs> that's what we need to do. Accountability. Yeah. Accountability. Yeah. Now, the gerrymandering that we were worried about for this year didn't seem to turn out as bad because it's been so gerrymandered. There's not a whole lot more that you can do that right. they can do. Right. Yeah, they can gain that. They can lock in what is already a very rigged map for them. Right. Uh, they, you know, in Ohio, they had a 12-4 guaranteed. They're going for 13-2. I think we'll strike it down. But yeah, they, they couldn't gain nearly as much as they gained in 11. But let me just say something about that. I'm, uh, gerrymandering is bad no matter who does it. I agree. So I, I understand why you have a race to the bottom, but I'm reading too many articles that say, oh, phew, it's, everything's okay, you know. 
Democrats gerrymandered in New York and Illinois as much Ooh. as no, it's just a yeah. broken system. It's not it's it's in the end bad government. It leads to corruption and bad results. So even if uh, Democrats understandably did an equal race to the bottom where they could, I'm here to say, as I look at dying towns and public schools being eroded, it's just bad. Mm-hmm. And that's why the federal government measure that the Freedom of the Vote Act measure that would say, let's have some ground rules for everybody is much better than than both sides doing. Now, Republicans do a lot more than the Democrats do. So I'm not even so the good news is I don't think they got as much, although they still have a way distorted map versus where the average person is in this country. If they win back the House in 22, it could be because of a bad midterm. But a lot of it will be on districts that are still way warped from where they should be. Uh, but gerrymandering just more broadly, we just should never get used to it because no, I, it's broken. Yeah, I mean, California, we don't do that. It's a citizen board. It's nonpartisan. Right. And Devin Nunes basically said, I'm not going to run again because he has a less likely chance right. of winning because he's been di- not districted out. But it's a fairer map, even though we lost a seat yeah. in the House, because if California wanted to gerrymander, if that were not the law, right. we could gain 10 seats probably Correct. easily because we know how to do everybody knows how to do yeah. it and michigan did that too and good for them and our system we tried to get an independent commission but mm-hmm. it was the voters didn't approve it so plan b was a set of it's kind of like the freedom of the vote act clear language about uh, guardrails and they violated those guardrails so now we're at the ohio supreme court trying to get it struck down we'll see if it works Hope so. but all of that is better but yeah in the in the short term they they are they are benefiting some from gerrymandering, uh, maybe not as much as people feared, but enough to change the outcome of 2000. Of the, I mean, put it this way. If you did not have a gerrymandered map in 18 in their favor, the House majority would have been so much bigger for, for Democrats than it was. I mean, Absolutely. So the current status quo is a very gerrymandered map that favors a party that generally represents 30 percent of the people. Yeah. Uh, but they get a lot more seats because of even the current backdrop of gerrymandering. Well, yeah, I mean, with Mitch McConnell saying that, you know, blowing up the filibuster or reforming it or whatever is going to happen, hopefully, um, you know, would disenfranchise millions of voters. I'm like, hi, California is not getting enough of a voice in the Senate. And we have 45 million, 54 million, whatever, 45 million people here. And it's like, hi, my voice isn't getting heard. And I only have two senators. (laughs) Well, here's the other, the the one that, I mean, that's such gaslighting by McConnell. Mm -hmm. Um, if they legitimately care about minority voters being heard, mm-hmm. they would pass the voting rights legislation because what's happening is in every red state, all these voting rights bills are being passed on a pure party line vote. That Not one Democrat is being consulted when they rig districts and suppress votes in Ohio. Mm-hmm. And so the very thing they say they don't like, which is a majority running the minority, that's what this law would stop. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by by using the filibuster, they're actually, you know, squelching the minority in state after state around the country. And, and so the, it's an, it's asymmetrical warfare. You know, they are they do not listen to minority in any way in states like Ohio, Michigan, Tennessee, you name it. But when the, it's, they don't care, they run them over. They laugh right. about it. I've testified these hearings. They don't care what the Democrats say, but they get to the Senate and say, we can only protect against attacks of democracy if the Republicans are part of it. Well, you didn't play that way at the state level. Right. Why right. should Democrats play that way at the federal level? I mean, it's it's literally if any Democrat who goes along with that is voluntarily losing. 
Um, it's like that old uh, in the movie movie war games. You know, sometimes the best thing is not to play. Exactly. Like, when you play that game, you're losing. And that's why for the life of me, the, the idea that de- that some Democrats want to stick to the filibuster and Chuck Schumer has been saying this lately. Good for him. Stick to the filibuster, knowing full well that the state level, they literally could care less about what the minority view thinks. But we let them get away with that rhetoric at the Senate level. It's it's, it's outrageous. And we need to stop letting them get us into this asymmetrical warfare that they are very good at playing and, and enough Democrats go along with it that they succeed. Well, it looks like, I mean, uh, Tim Kaine was against reforming the filibuster up until recently. So some of the moderates that we knew about are now trying to pressure Manchin and Cinema into, un- at least for me, at least these three bills, if you don't want to get rid of it forever, which we should, but if you don't want to get rid of it forever, then at least these three bills, let's get rid of it. And once debate has started, Boom. It's a simple majority to vote yay or nay on a bill. Um, Just these three specific bills, because if you get to me, if you do voting rights as a general carve out, then that could mean up turning, you know, turning over these rights if they are granted back. So it's just these this bill, this bill and this bill, like they did for the debt ceiling, like they've done for Supreme Court. They've done it. Yeah. Yeah. Here's so here's the argument. I'm I'm very passionate about this as hopefully comes through. But I've also been in office like Mm -hmm. if. If cinema and mansion and others are afraid of a filibuster going away on everything, mm-hmm. well, address their concern. And here's how I would address it with them. And I've written this and others have written it, too. There is a specific clause in the Constitution that's been overlooked for for much of history. Uh, I, I mentioned earlier the founding fathers, James Madison, wrote, we've given states a lot of power over democracy. If those states ever become undemocratic right. and they right. worried it was being like the monarchy was going to backdoor an attack on America through states, they said if it ever becomes undemocratic, it risks the entire nation's democracy. Right. Because of all the. So what did they write in the Constitution? A simple clause. They didn't put voting rights in the Constitution, but they, they put this write. in the Constitution. They put in the United States shall guarantee in all states, a Republican form of government. Right, 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 yeah. And by Republican form of government, they meant will of the people. The people were sovereign. What's happening in states right now is exactly what Madison feared. Interests like the Koch brothers and Alec are making it so that these states are no longer reflecting their people. We may be a little red in Ohio. We're not Alabama red like our state house. We're not off the charts on these. Roe v. Wade is a majority view in Ohio. These states, because of gerrymandering and voter suppression and other things, are no longer at all connected to their people. This is what the Madison feared. And so what I'd say to these senators is, listen, unlike other carve outs to the filibuster, which weren't even grounded in the Constitution, mm-hmm. you took an oath to the Constitution of the United States. And that included your oath to guarantee a Republican form of government in every state in this country. And so that oath trumps any concern about the filibuster, which you didn't take an oath to. This is in the Constitution. And just because Rob Portman or Chuck Grassley doesn't want to fulfill their oath to guarantee democracy in states doesn't mean you get to use that as your reason not to. You took an oath. And so I just think this is a much higher level of issue, a a guarantee of democracy in states than many of the issues they've actually given carve outs for. And the reason I like making this case is if they're worried about, you know, a domino effect that there'll be a filibuster applied, the filibuster won't work for anything anymore. 
you say to Manchester, name another issue where it's grounded in the Constitution itself. That is the reason why, and I'm, I'm not saying this to be cute, I really believe it, the, the, the filibuster is not in any way a legitimate obstacle to efforts to protect democracy itself in states. And I believe if James Madison were here today for all his flaws, he'd say, wait a second, have you not read what we wrote? Just like you're supposed to defend the country from a foreign invasion, right? you are supposed to defend a country from states that are becoming undemocratic. After the Civil War, they literally wouldn't seat delegation right. from the South until they could prove that these new states were Republican forms of government. Well, right now, I hate it sounds bleak, but this is why I wrote the book and called it Laboratories of Autocracy. State houses across this country are no longer reflecting how a democracy runs. We need to we need to start seeing that for what it is. And all of a sudden, that's when the filibuster, again, has no place obstructing legislation that the Constitution guarantees the Mm -hmm. Senate should be pushing forward. Do you think that since Chuck Schumer has been talking very strongly and says by next Monday that there's going to be a vote at least on the bills themselves or try to vote on the bills themselves. And then if not, they're going to try to do the carve out or, you know, just blow up the filibuster or whichever. Do you think that he would have brought that up and be talking as strongly as he is if he didn't have the votes I, for the I filibuster reform? Probably, I think he, at this point he, he would. I, I, I don't know if he has the votes. I wouldn't claim to know that. I worry that he doesn't. But I think that there's enough. I mean, there are people doing hunger strikes. I know. Poor Joe Madison has lost like 30 pounds. He didn't have 30 pounds to lose. The Texas Democrats left the state. Mm -hmm. I mean, so I think that the temperature should be high and is. And I want to see and I I agree. I mean, I'm not on a hunger strike, but but I I want to see these senators fight like they mean it. Mm hmm. If Chuck Grassley has to stand for four days and do a real filibuster, make him do it. Yeah. But stop treating this like it's a normal debate over normal politics. It's not. And so I think Chuck Schumer is probably feeling that and call a vote, make it painful. Make, you know, Mitch McConnell a few hours ago, I just tweeted this out, said, if you do this, we're going to take the floor. And Great. Bring for who the hell cares? Do it. Good. Let's be here for days, weeks. You're not going home to your family. We're getting this done. And if we don't, we're going to show America that this is not like any other issue. Because my worry is when they go on recess, when they allow them to filibuster without even giving long speeches, but they just accept it, that the signal being sent by the Democrats when they let that happen is we don't really think this is as serious. Because if we did, if you really fear democracy was at stake, you'd act like it. Mm -hmm. It'd be a five alarm fire. And right now, I don't I haven't seen that. And I, 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 you know, and I'm watching for it. And if I haven't seen it, the average person on the street is thinking it's, it can't be that big a deal. They're not acting like it's a big deal. And so if Schumer is saying and I think he's feeling the need to show more and I'm glad. And Me too. if he's calling the vote to try and pinpoint and show that they're fighting and that the people who are. And this is why I think you did start to see some of these senators, Kane. Um, well, Klobuchar blanking, was the first, I think. Um, and uh, uh, Toomey, Hassan, Pat Toomey. I think yeah, there, there are some that are starting to say it and, and good. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they need and so the pressure's mounting. And this is one where they need to bring all pressure to bear and make it long and show America that the stakes are real. And again, 
I hope I'm wrong. I'm hope I'm I'm more. I'm not an alarmist by nature. I'm actually a pretty low key person. I wrote the book because I'm alarmed as heck. Right. To put it, you know, in PG terms. Thank you. We um, are. We try to be FCC compliant. Here. Oh, okay. Good. Uh, <laughs> I wrote it for that reason, and I don't think I'm misreading it. The parallels to our history, where we fell into Jim Crow, and other bleak moments, are too clear. The behavior, you know, no one should. It, so let me let me take a step back and mm-hmm. go through the, the states. Yes, please. The reason why the states keep getting worse and worse, and I, I, one thing I'd ask your audience, stop being shocked by how bad they are. And, and I'll help you be less shocked by describing the following. We are dealing with the end of the first generation of majorities in these state houses who themselves have risen to power and maintain power without themselves ever being in a real election, Right. okay? They themselves do not know democracy personally. That hasn't been part of their rise to power. The system has been rigged by a bunch of elections and districts they never could lose. Right. And so that's the system they know. And and they've been behaving in that. And I go through in my book, you know, once you have a system where there's no accountability, everything's rigged, all the incentives are warped from what you and I would assume are the incentives of good public service. You know, public outcomes don't matter to these people. They're never going to lose because of public outcomes. Keeping big private players like for for profit charter school companies and, you know, energy utilities. That's what matters. Don't be moderate because you might lose your primary. Be extremist. You'll never lose. Right. Don't worry about being corrupt. You're not ever going to get in trouble unless you are truly egregious and break and, and get the feds on you on and on and on and on. Everything they have done to survive in this world of non-democracy and thrive would be kryptonite if there were ever real elections. They know it. They, they're too extreme. Their public outcomes are terrible. Mm-hmm. Ohio is cratering by any public measure. It doesn't matter in this world. If they were in real elections, they would all lose. Uh, so the point is, we're dealing with a generation of people who themselves have, uh, democracy is basically foreign to them and in, in what they do every day. And they also happen to have the levers themselves over democracy. And so the reason, you know, it's more warped than I think even Karl Rove would have thought 2010 when an entire group of people is in power without democracy. And that's why these state houses keep doing what they're doing right. worse and worse. And they know one thing and people like the Koch brothers who are benefiting from them know one thing. The only way it ever ends is if democracy returns in these places. So that's why they'll the, and, and worse, it all ratchets up together. The more the more anti-democratic things they do, the more they're locked into power in a way that can be even more extreme. They can take more money and give it to the private side mm-hmm. away from public assets. So it ratchets up together. So we're seeing that downward spiral explode right now. And that's why I'd say, like, nothing should shock folks anymore, because the people in this culture right now don't know democracy. And they know that if it existed in a robust way, they'd be done. Game would be up. Uh, and that's the reality we have to be fighting, right. Uh, right. not just through federal legislation, but every single day in state houses around the country. I know that's bleak, but that's the that's why I call them laboratories of autocracy. It's not an exaggeration. That's how they're behaving. And that's who they are. With regard to the Georgia law where they and Texas has something similar, I think. And I know that Arizona's 
on the way to doing it, but I'm not sure if they have yet, where they, the legislature would have the opportunity to overturn an election. Basically, if they didn't like a county and how it voted, they could say right. those votes don't count. Um, there are lawsuits, right? The ACLU is suing and is the yeah. DOJ suing, correct? Yeah, DOJ is suing in Georgia. You know, I don't know about other states. Wisconsin is trying this. They're attacking their independent elections commission right now. And if you heard everything I just said earlier, it's all to an extent. You know, they have been rigging their own elections and suppressing the vote yeah. for a decade. This is just an extension of that. One, one thing I really resist, not, it's not a huge deal, but it's important to know. This is not fomented by the big lie. No. The big lie is extra fuel to the fire, but they've been doing this since 11. And just to be clear, you know, in Ohio, when Obama won Ohio with his big, broad, diverse coalition of voters, Democrats won the state house in the same year. So when they're rigging elections and suppressing the vote and purging that Obama coalition, which they've done to great effect, it's not just about the next presidential election. It's about their own. You know, they didn't want to lose ever again after they were surprised by that Obama coalition. So so much of this is self-preservation. Mm -hmm. And so when you ask them, hey, will you do this for Trump for his next election? In their mind, I'm sure they're like, well, hell, we've done it for ourselves for a decade. We'll do that. We, we don't care. And so, yeah, I, I think there are there's a lawsuit in Georgia. I know the Wisconsin, the, you know, pro-democracy folks, the party and others are fighting as hard as they can to preserve it. But these could all end up in lawsuits uh, and hopefully they they cross the line. But here's again, we can't just win the lawsuit. If we win right. the lawsuit, you got to go back and hold people accountable. So here's an example, like the Madison Cawthorn mm -hmm. example. I we passed two constitutional amendments in Ohio to make gerrymandering far more difficult. The current rigged leaders of our state house, who've only known gerrymandered districts themselves, egregiously violated all the new rules. It's at the Ohio Supreme Court. For I hope we win. Knock on wood. I think we will win. Mm -hmm. Then they'll get another chance. They'll probably ignore it again. The court. My hope, and this is again kind of like. This is my ideal scenario. There has to be resources. There's a rule in, in, in Ohio called misconduct in office. Mm. And just like the Cawthorn example, it's not good enough to just strike down their map and get a new one. They'll just keep doing it. I want to, if you gather enough signatures in a certain person's district and allege misconduct in office for not following the law, which they clearly ignore here, the Constitution. There's a trial in their county about whether or not they committed misconduct in office. And if they're guilty, they're removed from office. That's what we need to do. I they agree. need to sense accountability. You know, the Texas, the Texas um, Republicans who voted for that horrible vigilante anti Roe v. Wade law. It's not good enough if that is struck down. And I hope it is. Somehow they need to feel like by doing that, they are risking their next election or they're risking their standing in office. And it's easy to say this, and it's a lot harder to do it in a world of rigged elections, but we need to start doing enough things so they fear that there will be results for them or right. they, even in loss, they'll rewrite the law, correct for the mistake and just keep going forward. So I think it's on everyone to think, how can we do the Madison Cawthorn thing everywhere? So they actually feel some pressure that there is accountability. Because right now in most of these places, there's no accountability. And that's why they can keep going and going. And if they screw up, they learn from it, they try it again. There were three different efforts here to get rid of what we called Golden Week, 
which was not a great name because it sounded like some kind of special gift versus something that was just pretty straightforward. You got to register and vote in the same week. Right. In Ohio, that was something that thousands of voters did in the 08 election. It took them three different laws to get rid of in Ohio. The first two, both were struck down, but they just corrected, kept correcting for the mistake, correcting for the mistake, new judge, new judge. They went on the third time, six years later, they win. Never accountability for any of it. They'll just keep going and going and going until I think you you do something to make them worry that they will be held accountable for all that they're doing. Well, with the, the new suppression laws that are, I mean, they were even introduced in California, not, never going to see the light of day here, but um, all these laws that have been introduced, some are now on the books, um, with the suppression my thought, and I'm, I'm sure it's yours as well, is because so many people were able to vote during the pandemic by mail. Right. I mean, I've been voting by mail for over 20 years because I just it's easier. I can read everything I need to do. I can take time and it's just, you know, pop it in the mail. Or now the Dropbox right. is literally a, a five uh, a five minute uh, uh, walk from my house. So right. it's super, super easy. But. The fact that they don't like voting by mail. I had I had friends of mine that complained about it. Oh, you know, my daughter moved to Vegas, but she got a, a ballot. I'm like, that's not on the California. That's on your daughter for moving and not letting right. California know that she moved. It's not on California. If she votes in right. California and in Nevada, that's also on her. You know, right. that's not California. Like somebody said, well, dead people are on the voter registry because, yeah, the first thing you think about when a relative has died is, oh, let's make sure we get them off the voter rolls. It's like, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then yeah. with with the purging that went on in Georgia for for Kemp to get into office was insanity to me. Yeah, because and then and same with George W. Bush's brother, with Jeb Bush doing it in 2000, purging yeah. all those people. And that's another problem, I think, that that people don't really realize. And during a, an election year, I always encourage people, make sure you're registered to vote yeah. all up until the day that you have to vote. And if you get a provisional ballot, go down to the county registrar and make sure your votes counted, because most provisional right. ballots aren't counted. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So a couple things on that. One, um, Ohio is, is sort of the the. Um, was sort of the first generation of the worst purging. Yeah. And they purged, uh, we, we see the numbers, you know, millions of voters. It took a huge chunk out of the Obama coalition. And just to, just to clarify, so any listener knows this, there are lists generated, whether or not the relative reports it, mm-hmm. of everyone who dies right. and everyone who passes away. I mean, it's 2022. Like, Facebook knows when I walk into a store. Yeah. You don't think we know when people pass away or move. The post office has a list they generate on a regular basis. It is not difficult at all for secretaries of state to update their voting rolls based on who's passed away mm-hmm. and who's mm-hmm. moved. Right. Everyone does it. The states that are purging are saying, well, for no no reason that makes sense, we're going to include as a proxy for who's died and who's moved people who haven't voted in, in several elections. Right. You know, I, I put it in a whiteboard. I put it in the book. About 1% of people every year pass away. Yeah. About 4% of people move from a county. 50% don't vote. Right. That's that the problem. That means you are taking as a proxy, you know, think of the Venn diagram, small, a little bigger. The proxy uh, of not voting frequently is m- mammoth. Mm-hmm. And so they are purposely including in the purge process, you know, a massive group of people they know 
didn't die or didn't pass away. Then this, and that's why in Cleveland, Cuyahoga County, most important county for Obama's win, the the voting registering the voting the registered population was far smaller in sixteen when Hillary Clinton ran mm-hmm. than in 08 and twelve. And if you look at the census data, not because people moved at that pace, not even close, because they were registering people who didn't vote and didn't respond to one postcard. So, and they're every time they say, "Well, Democrats want to you know protect dead people in the rolls." No. We, we're smart to know that you can keep track of that without purging people who didn't die and didn't move and for whatever reason have chosen not to vote every election. I mean, uh, the irony is it's sort of an anti-liberty argument. An anti- exactly. People have, if people weren't inspired by Clinton or Trump and didn't vote, that's on them. I wish they had. Right. It doesn't give the government the right to knock them off the rolls. That's against their freedom. They shouldn't have to call and check. I agree. Um, so, so that it's, it's an absurd, false argument that they make about dead people, and they make it every time. But, but it, you know, it's not hard. But on the other, um, I'm sorry, you mentioned the other. Uh, oh, here's the thing about the 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 after twenty. They don't care about the form of voting until they see that it's the form. This is again what a what an autocrat does, right? Until they see it's a form of voting that the other side uses. Mm-hmm. Vote by mail was liberating. It was in Ohio was put into place by Republicans after the embarrassment of the 04 election. Mm -hmm. Back then, the people voted by mail were largely seniors. They were largely Republican. Expanding it, they thought, "Eh, no big deal. The minute they saw that Obama took advantage of it in a a totally appropriate way to get early vote cast for him, in 11, they immediately go after it. This is the same story with drop boxes. Mm -hmm. Drop boxes, I can show you maps. They've been in Salt Lake City for years. Yeah, they're in Anchorage, Alaska. They've been in Georgia for years. A Republican, uh, uh, you know, a Republican-run state. They've also been in Colorado mm-hmm. and Washington. But these were non-controversial, non-partisan, and absolutely, you know, free of corruption and fraud. Mm-hmm. But what happened? Black people use them to a huge degree in the 2020 election. We know from data that you know disproportionately voters of color and Biden voters use drop boxes in multiple states. So now something they never cared about before. Right. They are banning outright or making really difficult in state for state. Again, it, it is it is not about the, the voting means. It's about who uses it. And the, the pattern is very clear. Whenever it, it occurs again, they're always learning. Mm-hmm. They're always correcting for their failures. Obama winning was a big failure. So they start going after early vote and purging. Biden winning through all that early vote through drop boxes, big failure. They immediately start attacking drop boxes. It's always about how Democrats and in, in, in part and parcel voters of color voted. And they correct for that by attacking that specific means of voting. Wow. And sadly, the Supreme Court has given them by by striking down key parts of the Voting Rights Act the ability to do that in a way they couldn't have done it, you know, a decade ago. That is true. Ooh, don't listen. Don't answer that. <laughs> um, so we're going to, we're going to get the, the free part of the show wrapped up right now. And, uh, um, you're going to stick around for our Patreon folks for the good money. This is the money strat kids. You know, this is, this is where, where the really fun stuff happens and you can swear on the Patreon part of the show if you choose to David. So feel, okay. let your freak flag fly on that part. Thank you for listening to From the Bunker. 
If you need help, get it. There is no shame in it. And uh, David Shockett and I will be talking at you guys next week.